And now, get ready for real topics and real answers on this episode of Real Talk. Here's your hosts, Greg Alderdice and Matt Brewer. Welcome to Real Talk. My name is Matt Brewer, joined today by Greg Alderdice, where we are talking about some of the cultural concerns that are facing Gen Z. If you haven't caught the past few episodes, we'd encourage you to go back and listen to the first few episodes in this series on the upcoming generations. But today we're going to be talking about some of these cultural concerns. So Greg, what are the cultural concerns that are facing Gen Z? I want to start off by just kind of bringing something back up that I talked about when I introduced Gen Z. Uh, And that's the fact that they live in a post-Christian world. And and I wanted to start there a little bit today because when a generation has 4% of a biblical worldview, uh, that's going to obviously greatly uh, affect how they approach the world, how they view the world, Uh, which leads us to some of the hot-button cultural issues that face our young people. Uh, The two that I'm going to spend a lot of time on today are same-sex marriage uh, and transgenderism. Here's just a few things to kind of know about some of the things that mark this generation in terms of how they see the world uh, regarding these issues. Uh, Half, almost, 48% of Gen Z say that homosexual couples being allowed to marry is a good thing for society. Now, aside from millennials, this percentage is much higher than any generations before them. Uh, so, so ever since 2016 when all that came down and mm-hmm. uh, it was ruled that uh, same-sex marriage uh, was allowed and could be done, um, 48% of Generation Z uh, says that that's a good thing. Along with this issue is the issue of transgenderism and gender identity. Uh, gender identity is a really popular phrase right now uh, with this generation. Uh, Gen Z is at the forefront uh, of this changing in the United States. Uh, Gen Z is much more likely to say that a form that's asking about a person's gender should include other options besides male or female, man or woman. Uh, They believe that there should be other options. And if you've paid any attention to any of this over the last five years or so, these issues have really become a big deal. And more than ever, these issues have gone from being kind of a small minority that we kind of just hear about some here and there to really the vast majority of the world. And this is all being kind of led by some of these younger uh, generations. And the reason these issues are such a big deal and that we talk about because I hear people say, why do you got to talk about these things all the time? Uh, the reason that we talk about these issues so much is because they challenge the very nature of who God is and how God has made us and what God has instituted. And as we talked about last time, when something such as what our gender is becomes so complicated, it makes answering the already difficult questions that much more difficult. It's really shocking. We talk, we're talking about this last week, too, that we're talking about generations that don't know any differently on these cultural issues. Gen Z, to some extent, maybe the younger Gen Z kids, they don't really remember a time where these things were not commonly accepted. Generation Alpha's growing up, this is just their world. This is what they know. They've never known a time without it. But it, it's really challenging for the church to, to know how to minister and know how to approach these issues. And I can imagine for you, especially with teenagers, to help them understand what is God's truth and what the world is trying to tell them at the same time and, and really just how to reconcile that. 
So it's really easy to think that maybe these are just things that are happening in the bigger cities. I think a lot of times we say, you know, in the, in the state capitals and the big cities, that's where you really deal with these cultural issues. So how is it impacting student ministry here in Martin, Tennessee? You know, it's funny because, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, we, we talk about how these issues don't really happen around here, small town uh, kind of area, community, uh, rural area, Bible Belt. Um, but but I'm having more of these conversations than ever over the last year, more than I can ever remember. Uh, more and more, I'm having students who come up to me and ask, you know, what about this? You know, I've got a friend that's dealing with this, or uh, how, how do I respond to them? What do I say to them? Or I'm having a small group leader uh, come to me, and they're saying, hey, I've got students asking these questions about, you know, homosexuality or, or transgender issues, and I have no clue what to say. So how, how do I deal with this? What do you want me to say? What do you want to talk to him? And, you know, it's really easy uh, to think that the world and the culture is the only thing at play here. Uh, certainly the world and the culture has had a huge hand in all of these issues becoming the norm, becoming the majority of what people think is okay. Um, but I think there's a part of this that I'd like to spend just a little bit of time talking about. Uh, there are churches all around who have fallen right in line with the culture. You know, they teach that homosexuality and, and changing your gender is not only okay and all right, it's something worth celebrating and uh, something worth, um, you know, making a big deal about. And I was reading a book. It's been a while, but um, as I was kind of preparing for uh, this podcast, it's something that came to my mind. But uh, Albert Moeller uh, wrote a book called We Cannot Be Silent, Speaking Truth to a Culture, Redefining Sex, Marriage, and the Very Meaning of Right and Wrong. And he talks about homosexuality and same-sex marriage and how we would have never gotten to where we have in our country if not for religious leaders, theologians, church officials who were ready to lead the church in a bold new direction on the issue of homosexuality. Uh, Moeller would go on to say in this book uh, that in order for moral revolutions where you know, something such as homosexuality becomes normalized, celebrated. In order for that to work, society needs the support of churches. Uh, churches are still part of the society uh, where uh, we look for approval. Uh, whether we, we kind of look at the church now as something not to take serious uh, in 2021, uh, but, but years ago the church was a part of the moral fabric of the country. And you kind of look to the church for approval for things. And so there were churches that were jumping on board with homosexuality being right. Mm -hmm. um, and here's a quote from the book that I thought was very interesting. He says, without the cooperation of at least some leaders in churches within organized Christianity, it is hard to say that the homosexual movement would have been proved so successful during the last several decades. I say all that to say that the churches... A lot of churches have jumped in on this. There's churches in our own community that would jump in and say that these things are fine, that they affirm and teach that these things are, are perfectly fine and that God has no issue with them. And I was talking to a group of our students recently here at First Baptist Martin because, you know, in the culture and the, and the world that we live in, I kind of wanted to just kind of see, you know, where are our students at with this? You know, I know that I've got some students asking and uh, wondering what does the Bible say about this, but, but I recently talked to some of our students and said, what if I talked about some of these hot topic cultural issues on a Wednesday night and preached on it? Uh, 
what would y'all think about that? And, and almost their word-for-word answer was, we would love that because no one's talking to us about these things. And that was really opening as a youth pastor uh, that we need to really be equipping our students. Uh, two thoughts on that. It's heartbreaking to think that there are churches, and, and we know there are. Uh, we, we see it all the time, that are championing these topics, these viewpoints that are clearly, it's clear what the Bible says and, and what God says and how God feels about these issues. But to know that churches are are supporting it is definitely heartbreaking. But I'm encouraged to hear that there are students who want to know the truth. They want to talk about it. They want to know what needs to be said. And I'll tell you, it makes it really difficult to address some of these issues from a biblical standpoint when there are churches who say sure. that these things aren't wrong. Because then when we're preaching the truth of God's Word, you know, we look like we're, we're bigots, or we look mm-hmm. like we're too harsh, or that we're not connected to reality anymore when there's churches that are saying you know, that, that God has changed His mind on this, or that God's Word doesn't really apply to this particular area. I don't really know what they would say to justify it, but that's what they're doing, and it makes addressing some of these issues from a biblical perspective even more difficult than ever before. So there is hope. Students want to know about it. They want to talk about it. So how can parents help their own students with some of these cultural concerns? I know this is going to be an easy answer, uh, but, but have conversations. I know that's easier said than done, and it can be overwhelming to have these discussions, uh, but it has to be done. Uh, I kind of touched on this earlier, but I remember early on in ministry, uh, there would be parts of the world where this conversation was completely ignored, uh, talking about homosexuality, talking about transgender issues. Uh, it was completely ignored because it wasn't something people experienced or dealt with any of this. You know, you didn't really have people that you knew who were identifying as homosexual homosexual or as another gender. You, you didn't deal with that. Uh, so these were things that, you know, we kind of just wrote off. Uh, these were things that students really only dealt with when uh, they went off to college. Uh, but now students are faced with this stuff in middle school and high school and, and even elementary. I'm hearing you talk, you know, about some conversations that you've had with some folks. Mm-hmm. And even some of our elementary age kids are, are dealing with some of this stuff because the world is so open and, and celebrates some of these things. And so there are students at schools who say they identify as a different gender. There are students who would either say they're homosexual, bisexual, or maybe they have parents who uh, are that. Maybe they have two moms. Maybe they have two dads. And I was kind of thinking about this. And this is just pure speculation on my point. We used to say that kids dropped out of church when they went to college and they faced all these different worldviews. And, you know, when they got challenged, they kind of walked away from their faith. Um, But... The question that's been kind of going on in my mind, is it fair to say that kids are dropping out of church nowadays even earlier, maybe in middle school and high school, because instead of facing these things when they go off to college, they're facing them much earlier in middle school and high school uh, than they're used to. And that may not be the reason, but that's just pure speculation on my point. It's just something interesting to think about. I, I go back and think you said have conversations. That is definitely the easiest way to do it. And um, you're at you're talking about the, the how, how do we find time. It's maybe a little bit of a plug, but the first few episodes of this Real Talk podcast, we had the Daily Rhythm series where we walk through the day. There are times built into your day uh, where parents can talk to their kids, whether it's first thing in the morning, last thing before you go to bed, maybe it's in the car. There are times that are just naturally built into your day. This is important. We need to be talking about it. Our students are wanting to hear it. They, they want to hear what you think, what you believe, why you believe what you believe. 
find times, find those times during the day. They're already built in. So my, my encouragement would be just to, to find that moment where you can have that conversation with your child. And like I said, I, I know years ago we did not have these conversations because we didn't think we had to. Uh, but now I can promise you these conversations are taking place. If you think, oh, my kids aren't talking about that, they're talking about it somewhere probably. Uh, they're being talked to about it from other students at school. Uh, they're being talked to about it from all kinds of different areas uh, of life. And I would just encourage you to have that conversation because you want to get ahead of that. You don't want to be uh, reactionary. You want to be proactive and having these conversations and making sure that your kids know what the Bible says on some of this. And and I've said this before. I, I recently said this, uh, I think, one of our parent meetings that we had here at First Baptist. But if all our students know about homosexuality and transgenderism is that it's wrong. I'm not going to say that's not true because obviously it is wrong, but they need more than that. If they get challenged at school, if they get challenged uh, by someone in some club or sport that they're a part of, and they know why they believe what they believe, but all our students can really say is, well, it's wrong. Well, then they're already going to be kind of behind the eight ball in the conversation. Um, And whether we like to admit it or not, if an opposing viewpoint has something more than it's just wrong, our kids are going to start to wonder, well, why is it wrong? We need to approach these topics that our world celebrates openly, and we need to teach our students why the Bible says these things are not worth celebrating. In fact, they're things that are worth mourning over and, and repenting over and all of that. But um, Disciple your children. That's what it boils down to. Uh, We all make uh, disciples. The question is, what are we making disciples of? And my hope and my prayer for everyone listening uh, and all parents is that they would disciple their kids in such a way that when they're challenged by the opposing worldviews, that they are able to have conversations. Because that's the goal, right? We don't want to just raise up a generation who's just walking around saying, this is wrong, this is wrong. We want to raise up a generation that is sharing the gospel, sharing hope to people who have no hope, and giving um, the gospel in ways that could be life-changing for all kinds of people. So uh, have conversations and just know that um, your kids are hearing this stuff from somewhere, so let it be from you. Well, thank you for all of that information. Next week, we're going to start talking about the general well-being of Generation Alpha and Gen Z, talk about their emotional, physical, mental, and even spiritual states. So we would love for you to give us a rating, um, to leave a review so that you'll be able to know when that next episode is coming. And as always, we thank you for listening to Real Talk. This has been Real Talk with your hosts, Greg Alderdice and Matt Brewer. Make sure to stay tuned for future episodes.